everybody. Welcome to the third installment of Random Acts of Television. I am your host, Andrea Cooley. And I am your other host, John Bucci. And as you probably remember from our last episode, which you should totally go listen to, and the first totally. one, and this totally. one again after you're done listening to it, we were given The Americans to watch this week. Yay! The Americans. I was very excited about that. And so the verdict is, is, am I still excited about it? That's a good question. It is a good question. And I would say yes, but it's going to be an interesting yes. Ooh. Ooh. I'm intrigued. You should be. Besides watching The Americans for two weeks straight, what else have you been enjoying on television lately? I'm still kind of plugging away at Bob's Burgers, I'll be honest with you. Welcome to part two of our Bob's Burgers podcast. <laughs> well, okay, so confession time. I like to go to sleep watching something. So what happens is is I'll stay awake for maybe one episode. Sometimes if I'm very tired and it's late, I don't even make it through one episode. But I end up waking up in the middle of the night and my phone's blasting the theme song to whatever it is I'm watching and I'm like oh crap and I shut it off and go back to sleep but I just go to sleep that way tune in two weeks from now to Bob's Burgers part three when she finally finishes when I I I don't know I mean I've done a few seasons I've watched about two complete seasons of Bob's Burgers so I mean I'm getting there but it's just it's one of those cute little shows to watch before you go to sleep and it puts you in a nice mood but so anyways, have you have you been watching anything else other than The Americans? Around this time of year is when all of the shows that I usually watch start coming back. And like there's new shows that I want to watch, but a lot of them haven't actually come out yet. And the ones that do come out, I wake up a week later and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wanted to watch that. What shows? Well, the, th- the thing that is at the top of my head right now is Gifted, the new Fox X-Men show because I oh. I have a terrible problem when it comes to anything with a mutant in it. Yeah, you, you gravitate towards mutants. Even though it's you? probably going to be horrible. I don't know anything as usual about that show. I am trying to think about what I want to watch. I told you I went to that CBS taping for Apartment 9JKL. Oh, yeah. That looks fun. Yeah. I think that the people involved on the show individually are great, but it's it's a CBS show that I don't think, have I had a high opinion of practically any show we've talked about? I like what I like, and there's just a, there just has to be a really perfect blend of quirkiness and story that I enjoy. I've stopped watching shows that started off that way for me and stopped, like I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. I haven't watched it for like, I think three seasons. I haven't seen a single episode of that show. See, and, and what I liked about that show, oh God, we're getting off on another, but I'll just say this. Um, what I started off liking about Walking Dead was that it was about the survivors, and so you're looking at this in a very different way. And then also about how humans are horrible to each other as they're trying to survive a zombie apocalypse. But then you get into some of these storylines, or it goes off onto all these little tangents where... You want to see more people die. It's hard when you have beloved characters and you don't want to see them die, but this is a zombie apocalypse and people die. That's what I loved about Game of Thrones when... When people actually died. 
Yeah, when people, I'm yeah. Spoiler alert: Ned Stark dies in the first season, and of course, you are classically trained as an audience to when you see this character all the time. That's your protagonist. That's your main character, and so they're never going to die. And when he died, holy crap, people lost it. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many times that Rick should die, or what's the kid's name? I anyway. Carl. Carl. Yeah. I mean. There's so many times when these people should have died, and the and, and even in the um even in the graphic novels that uh, what's his face puts out all the time. I mean, I read it off and on, but yeah, it, there's there's just a harsh reality to this universe they've created, and I just feel like the show doesn't want to give in to that because for certain characters because they know that people will stop watching. Anyway, that's a very. I want to make a show where everyone dies every single episode. To the point where we just run out of actors to kill off. And we're just finding random people on the street. Like, hey, do you want to be in this hit show? You'll die in one episode. Here's a hundred bucks. You know, you know something? That actually is a good idea. I don't know why, but I think that's a really good idea. And how about we say, kill your darlings. That's the name of the oh show. Oh my gosh. Do we just, oh. Let's start writing it, it. Let's do it. That's the the other pilot we're going to create. I guess we should start talking about the show that we were told to watch. So, The Americans. The Americans. It's a television show about Russians. Specifically, Russians that have invaded the United States and are blending in and eating our hamburgers and soaking in our freedom and yet still holding on to their disgusting communist ideals. That is certainly a way to describe that show, yes. Which, according to this Wikipedia article that I'm looking at right now, was a real thing mm-hmm. in, in some capacity. Uh, it's called the Illegals Program. It was a Russian spy network in the United States. Mm-hmm. This was more recent. They uncovered everyone in 2010, but they decided to borrow that concept and bring it back to the 80s, I believe. The late 80s. No. The show starts in 1981, which is a very oh, good year. Yes, it is. It's a very good year. I thought the kid said he wanted a Nintendo in one of the episodes, so that's why I said late. Well, 80s. Nintendo did come out late, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Atari was out, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I do speak with some authority on this subject matter. Yes, yes you do. Yes, as a resident um, of the 80s. As a resident, yes, I was. I was a child of the 80s, born in the very specific year that we just mentioned. Anyway. The creator of the show. Yeah, Joseph Weisberg worked for the CIA. And because he did that and he's writing about the CIA, every single episode has to go in front of the CIA Publications Review Board. Look at you. You you came prepared to this podcast, John. Yay. Look at that. That's because I happened to pause it at the right time and Amazon said, hey, here's a little fact. It's like, thank you, Amazon. I wonder how much that slowed down production. Oh, my gosh. Just, yeah, that's... Wow. So as I hinted at earlier, I did like the show a lot and I'm definitely going to finish it up, but I did not like the first season. What say you? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. 
To be honest, I only watched one episode of the second season, but it was better than any episode of the first season. Generally what I've done, and I know you have too, is if you haven't seen the show, you watch the first season and then summarize it. But with this one, it was fascinating for me that I was having a lot of problems with the show, and yet I knew that it's very popular and there were things about it that I really enjoyed, so I kept hanging in there and I decided to try to at least go, I think I got up to four episodes of season two, and I loved love season two i'm really really excited to finish it up but no the first season was bad and it reminds me of parks and rec i usually show up to things later than when everybody else has like parks and rec i heard all these different people talking about it and so i started watching it and i watched the first two episodes and i was like i don't understand what's happening or why people like this and then i talked to you and you said yeah you can just skip the first season and with the Americans, it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We had heard from people like, oh, yeah, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. You go to Rotten Tomatoes and it's got 100% on season four and season three, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And so it's like, am I crazy <laughs> or is this not good? Or like, what do people see in this? And so you kind of have to push yourself to that point to get to where it, it gets good. What is it? that made you stick with it? Is it the fact that you knew that the other seasons had such great reviews? Yeah, it was really what I had heard people say about it. Because I've been known to watch a show that everybody likes and not really like it and just drop it. But you pushed yourself to finish the first season of this not liking it. But obviously, if you watch the first episode of the second season and you really do like it there had to be something in the first that you did like I mean there was for me too and I guess maybe we could start with beyond doing the podcast what were those things that you did like that kept you invested I think the big thing that kept me invested was like we were talking about earlier the time period what this was set in and Mm -hmm. the fact that the story is about cold war tensions and spies and espionage and I like that so I wanted to like this show Ever since I first heard about the concept, I wanted to enjoy this. That's another reason why I really pushed myself to keep watching it. Okay, so the subject matter itself is something you enjoy. Yeah. Okay. I will say that they do kind of tap into the 80s, and I'm speaking only now from seeing season one and about about half of season two. It's definitely not like Stranger Things where they really tap into the 80s in that Stranger Things-esque way where you feel it. It could almost be the 70s for for all intents and purposes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It lacks some of that, which I wish they did tap into. It's not 80s enough. I will be honest and say it's not 80s enough for me. I was glad that all of the main characters enjoyed watching hockey. That's the representation I want. For me, what I like was the relationship. I'm the marriage, the whole... We have to come to this country and pretend to be husband and wife. We have to have kids together and do this whole spy thing and this family thing at the same time. I've never seen anything like that. They took the genre of spies and did something unique with it. That's what I kept on going back for was the relationship between Philip and Elizabeth. And that's, I think, the heart of the story. For me, that's what I kept on being invested in emotionally. Because for me, I have to be emotionally invested in something. 
I agree with appreciating the, the marriage as well. And you know more about this and can speak better to this, obviously, because you've watched more episodes. But I feel like that's something that suffered the most in season one and got better as it went on. Like, do you want to speak to that? Yeah. So the show starts with these two being married for 15 years. And that's interesting because I've been married for 15 years. And yet there are some huge missing pieces between these two and their marriage. And I know it's not a real marriage. In fact, they said they never even went through the ceremony together. There's some missing things between the two of them emotionally in the first season that to me would have been dealt with with 15 years of partnership with somebody and having kids together. There was just some missing emotional history between them that I think would have made the first season much better. And in the second season, they want to be this very loving spy family. And that worked much better. I think they couldn't make up their minds, the writers, about whether they wanted to be together or not. And I kind of felt that was frustrating because after 15 years, I think you would have worked that out. Yeah, it felt very much like a soap opera in that sense, the way they were like, I do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't, but I do. I mean, they both understand that as they try to get intelligence from people that they're going to have sex with their marks at times in order to gain that information that they need. So they understand that that's the nature of what they need to do because really they're spies. But then they have other things that cropped up like my least favorite character of anybody in the first season was Gregory. And Gregory is this African-American drug, I, I guess he was a, he had a drug crime ring. I don't know. We don't really know. But anyway, Elizabeth meets him at some sort of pro-communist group meeting and first is using him for his crime syndicate. But then she gets him to become KGB and they carry on an affair because she actually did like him and got to know him the way that one does get to know somebody and falls in love with somebody the normal way. The problem with Gregory is that everything I just said is never shown. It's explained to you in a conversation. In very brief conversations. All of that emotional baggage history is explained to you in a conversation. And it doesn't carry that emotional punch or weight to it. Gregory also doesn't seem to respect her what she does have with Philip. And he even tries to destroy her trying to make it work with Philip, which makes me not like Gregory for doing that. And then when Gregory takes it for the team and dies, it didn't even matter to me. It was the least sad thing. In fact, I was like, can we shoot him already? Yeah, it was such an out-of-place moment in this show that has been mostly serious. The heavenly chorus is singing and it's everything slow motion and he's shooting at cops and it was so dumb. You're right. It was a very misplaced moment. It's almost like somebody else went, yeah, let's do this. And it's hard because Gregory could have been a better character. But again, I think you have this saying that I love and I think that you need to copyright it. I will. But that term that you have, which is? Off-screen conveniences. It's such a good word. I like that. Not just a word. It's a good phrase. I think that this season suffered so much of that. Yeah. There was so many critical things that I think we should have seen, whether in flashback or just flat out seen, because it was necessary in order to give us that emotional punch. And Gregory certainly is one of those. A lot of that stuff with their history between Elizabeth and Gregory would have been great to have seen and maybe built up with time so that when he dies, it means something. I feel the same way about Armand, I think his name is, the FBI agent. Oh, 
Yeah. They tried to do the same thing with him, where they're, like, showing all these flashbacks and, oh, him and Stan, the main FBI guy, are so well-connected. But from what we saw, Stan just showed up in this office this season. So they don't even really have this deep bond. But then Stan goes out and starts killing all these communists because he's so upset about it. But we don't get any of that at all. Right, because in the pilot, the rut row moment is that who moves in next door to the undercover Soviet spies? An FBI agent. So Stan, that is, he's the Boy Scout, and he is trying to protect America from Soviet infiltration. It's a worthy cause, but you do see cracks in it. And then what, what they try to show as an arc for his character is that his partner goes missing, and Stan is convinced that his partner has been abducted or kidnapped by KGB. And he then starts doing uncharacteristic things because that's what pushes him to feel that the ends justify the means. I don't like Stan, but I do think there was interesting things about Stan, but I completely agree with you that they really try to squeeze in a short amount of time all this emotional stuff that you're supposed to feel for these characters, and it really is not earned. Speaking of Stan, I think he himself isn't supremely interesting, but other characters have been made more interesting around him. I like the idea that Philip and Elizabeth um, risk, like they go to this guy's house and they're at this party with all these FBI agents, and they really put their secret identities, if you will, on the line to help them further blend in, even though it could hurt them later down the road. And Nina is not very interesting of a character to start out with, but then once she starts kind of flipping Stan's agenda back on him, she becomes a more interesting character. Yeah, she is an interesting character sometimes, but most of the time she's just eye candy, let's be honest. And that kind of segues to the sex and the use of sex. I overall, I'm going to say, at least with one and a half seasons viewed, that they don't handle sex very well. I completely agree. For example, and this goes back to the off-screen conveniences, in one episode where it would have been great to have seen some backstory stuff, we instead see the current ambassador or diplomat of Russia, who is a very old man, on top of Nina huffing and puffing on her. That's gross. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. Instead, I would have rather have seen some of these things that we've been talking about that were necessary in order for us to care more about some of these other characters or just to clearly understand the relationships between Philip and Elizabeth. But no, we are seeing this gross sex scene between an old man and a very young woman because, let's face it, she's attractive. And there was a few other scenes where, yes, you're seeing Philip in one of his many wigs having sex with whoever. Mostly Martha. Mostly Martha. And and I guess all of the Martha sex scenes actually are my favorite, which I guess we should explain Martha. Martha is the secretary to... The top FBI guy, Stan's boss. Stan's boss. And so Philip then makes her a target to use her. He then becomes Clark, I think. Yeah. To Martha and woos Martha. And in wooing Martha, they start having sex. And Martha, she's an enthusiastic participant. Oh boy. In her sexual endeavors with Clark. I like Martha because she is more of an average looking woman compared to Nina and Carrie Russell, who doesn't look like she eats. Looks like a twig. She looks like a stick insect, but very attractive. Martha is just a regular looking woman. 
she's attractive, but just a regular looking woman. And she really, really enjoys sex. And she knows what she wants and she gets it. And I like her for that. I really like seeing her enjoying the sex. In fact, I think she's probably the most enthusiastic person I've seen in any of the sex scenes. Yeah, for sure. I just, I like it. I like seeing an, a woman who is not a raving beauty. She's not the typical, what you see, because women have to just be these wonderful, beautiful genetic specimens. You, you know, you've got your average genetic specimen of a woman enjoying sex. I think they had too much as well. I mean, when you watch all these episodes back to back and it's like, oh, this episode starts with a sex scene and this episode starts with a sex scene. Oh, and so does this one. <laughs> It's like, do we really need to do this every single time? Yeah. I think a lot of shows need to ask themselves, is it eye candy or is it serving the story? I think the Martha, it could be argued that the Martha sex scenes are not serving the story, but I feel like they really do make me endeared towards her. So that when you know that she's being conned by Philip, a.k.a. Clark, you you feel bad for her and you kind of are like, aw. And actually, it's great because as much as she enjoys it, Clark could care less. In fact, he is unenthusiastically performing these sex acts on her. And it's kind of hilarious how she's so into it she doesn't notice how he's not. They are definitely both ends of the spectrum of enthusiasm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I enjoy that, actually. Anyway, I, I think that, and it's kind of funny how this show does that. It randomly injects some humor in unexpected ways. Whether or not they know that that's funny, it struck me as funny. And that goes to some other things that the show does well, too, is how it kind of does comment on certain things. Like you mentioned, I think, the 24-hour news cycle. Yeah, in uh, the episode where they're covering Reagan when he got shot at, yeah. and their daughter is like, do we really have to sit here and watch this guy get shot all day? And they do it in such a way that it's very subtle. Yes, I appreciate some of the subtle messages that they bring instead of hitting you over the head with it. I do think, though, and again, for, for everything that I did like about it, there's a little something that irritated me or just was like, why? Why are you doing this? And I don't understand why they changed that Brady didn't survive the Reagan shooting. In, in real life, he was paralyzed from it, but in the show, he died. I don't understand the choice. I, I, I'm... I heard that and I went back and Googled to make sure because my memory was he survived and he did. So I didn't understand the choice of changing that. Yeah, I don't really understand the point of doing that. They try very hard to keep this accurate. If it is wildly inaccurate, it's going to pull people out and it, the story will suffer for it. So I appreciate that they do try to be very accurate and have fun with it. Like the uh, they do make some changes like adding in the, was it, nuclear defense shield? Some phony thing that was actually interesting. The technology wasn't explained well enough to really understand in the show, but there is this idea that we can shoot down nuclear missiles. It's not exactly foolproof, obviously, but they are borrowing this from real life, which I appreciate. Yeah, I think that the show is, first of all, it's it's an interesting concept, and they've tried to ground it in much as reality as possible and taking from real things in the news or in the CIA, what, well, what can be talked about, at least. And I like that. I really do. It has taken the spy genre and kind of enhanced it to where you're now you're looking at a family. And no, it's not like that god-awful franchise spy kids where the kids are spies. I mean, in fact, these kids are 
clueless to what there is going on with their parents, which adds another interesting layer. Well, their daughter is finding out about their commie secrets, but but the other, I I, I will say that as much as I do enjoy the family thing, it was a little odd. Again, this is something that I think they need to get better at, and I hope they do as the seasons progress. But even though season two is markedly better than the first, I still had a little bit of a eh, about there being a whole other family from Russia that's spying as well, and they have two kids. And, and they all were brought in at the same time together to infiltrate and have families and spy. Yeah, it's like... Oh, here's our f- friends from out of town. They're spies as well. Yeah, it's just how many how how many Soviets were bussed in to the to America during this time. I mean, I it, it's a little it's it is a little unbelievable. Now I know again this is a spy thriller show, so yeah, I get it. You, you can't. It's not going to be believable all the time. But it was a little harder to believe. But this other spy family is murdered in the opening episode for season two and so far it seems to be solving who did it and why and what's going on here so that and that's so much better than season one where it's like what is going on what are what's the focus what's the concentration there didn't seem to be a focus yeah i think the the other family would have made more sense if they had kind of brought that up a bit in season one i agree but yeah i I do like the fact that when the the family dies at the beginning of season two, it's such a catalyst moment for them. Because when that happened, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. No, actually, I didn't either. And they have the one son, their oldest son, survives and, and walks in and sees it. And that, oh, that was a really amazing moment. So Amer- The Americans, it is a good show. I highly recommend it. I would just caution you could probably skip the first season and get right into season two. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's really the summary of it, huh? Yeah, just either watch season one and keep pushing or just skip it altogether. Just skip the first season. Maybe watch the pilot and just skip the rest of it because, yeah, it's a little sucky. You're really not getting enough emotional character backstory for it to be worth your time. Well, speaking of sucky. Oh, wow. (laughs) Let's hope the next show we pick isn't. I was a little concerned of where we were going with this. I, I I got you there. That was an interesting segue, John. That well done, well done. Okay. Okay. Here we go. The next show we'll be watching is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the next show we'll be watching is The Big Bang Theory. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am laughing because I know Andrea's opinion on this show already. I I am. You know how I said that I was going to try not to curse on our podcast, and this, uh... Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be so fun. Okay, well, let's not discuss it too much now. No, let's not. Let's not do that. Let's end this show on a positive note, huh? Shall we? Shall we? Yes. Yes, let's let's do that. Well, I, I highly recommend that you stay tuned, keep listening, because it's going to be one hell of an episode. Yes, it certainly is. It really is. We are going to have a a very interesting episode on our hands. Do not miss it. I'm looking forward to it. And that's all for this episode of Random Acts of Television. 
make sure to check out our website, randomactsoftelevision.wordpress.com, to see any links to our social media and blog posts that we'll have up throughout the weeks. Yes, I, I, I think that we'll have a few blog posts about the Americans, and I think you should definitely check into our Twitter because you'll see some very unhappy photographs of me watching Big Bang Theory. I'm looking forward to those. Not the show, but to your reaction to the show. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of social media fodder for you. So please just tune in, subscribe, click, tell your friends. The intro and outro music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at IncomeTech.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.